Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. us to be overwhelmed by you today, Lord, and everything that's done, overwhelm us with your love. And when we leave this place, let us know without a doubt that we've been in the presence of the Lord, and you are mighty and you are greatly to be praised. We're expecting awesome and wonderful things, Lord, for you to do in our lives today, and we worship you. Oh, in Jesus, powerful, beautiful, glorious, and wonderful name we pray and believe. Amen. 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 Hey, before you're seated, too late. That scripture Donna quoted said, Lord, you are great and you're greatly to be praised. How about you offer the Lord a great praise? Awesome. Amen. Good morning, LifePoint. I'm glad you're here. We're going to finish up a, a two-week series called Who God Wants Me to Be and where this kind of came from was back during our Proverbs series, I, I made a statement that who we are is more important than what we do, and then we kind of left you hanging there. So I wanted to take a couple weeks, and, and I'm going to go ahead and reserve the right to pick this up in a, in a, in a later date. Is that okay? Because I, I believe what God wants us to understand is there are things he wants us to be. There are things he wants for us. And so that's, that's what I want to talk about today. Last week we talked about that the first thing God wanted us to be was a worshiper. Any worshipers in the house? A <laughs> couple of you. It's all right. Um, you know, truthfully, sometimes when worship lives inside of you, um, it's got to come out of you. Uh, we talked about how real worship was genuine. We talked a lot about how about what worship was in the life of the believer. So here's what I want you to do. That, that's online. You can go listen to that for last week. Today, I want you to pay attention to this passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 5. It'll be on the screen behind me. You can follow along on your bulletin, on your phone, your iPad, or maybe some of you got a Bible. There's a novel idea. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture. You've heard it. This one of those phrases that culture outside the church has borrowed. So let's read. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Isn't that good? You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Let your good deeds shine 
to give praise to God. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question. Actually, I'm going to ask you a couple of them. So I'm going to need a little audience participation. Okay? And I love doing this because I think it just, I've done it a couple times, but I think it makes a point. Are you ready? I want everybody to put your hand in the air. Right hand in the air. Everybody, right hand in the air. Everybody that can. Everybody, everybody. So if you know the MVP of the 2017 Super Bowl, put your hand down. Put your hand down if you know. Okay, a couple, a couple. Okay, if you know the team that won the Super Bowl 2017, put your hand down. Okay, all right, gotcha. All right, everybody hands back up. If you know the person who won the 2017 Oscar for Best Picture, put your hand down. You can switch arms, switch arms, that's okay. You don't know? Okay. It's fixed to get a lot easier, I promise. All right, but uh, if you know who won the World Series in 2017, put your hand down. Okay, every year we give out Nobel Prizes for uh, peace and, and science and, and, and physics and medicine. So if you can name one of the 12 recipients of a Nobel Prize last year, put your hand down. One of the 12, okay. All right, now here's what I want you to do. I'll, when you can think of a person that makes you smile on a regular basis, put your hand down. All right, put them back up. If you can think of another person that makes you smile, put your hand down. Put them back up. Last person that bought you a meal, put your hand down, if you can think of that person. All right. How about this? Put your hands up. Put them down if you know someone, if you can name someone that prays for you on a regular basis. Put your hands down. Wow. One last time, I promise. If you can identify the name of the person that helps you find Jesus, put your hand down. See, what I want you to see today is that there's a big difference between, and now I get, you got some cardio in. Those of y'all trying to close your rings, I helped you with that. What I want you to know is that there's a big difference between fame and influence. There's a big difference between everybody with some great accomplishment. And somebody has made a real impactful influence in your life. So today we're going to talk about influence because I believe God wants me, God wants you to be an influencer. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Isn't he telling us you need to be an influence in this dark place. You need to be an influence in this flavorless place. I love this definition of influence. If you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. The capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, or the behavior of someone or something. The capacity to have an effect. And here's what I need you to know at the onset of what we're talking about. You have the capacity to have an effect on someone 
or something. And what I believe we need to do this morning is for Life Point to understand what does it mean for me as Life Pointer to be an influencer? What does it mean for me as a person that follows Jesus to be an influencer? And that's what we're going to talk about today. You are the salt of the earth, is what he said. I, one of my favorite authors, name is John Maxwell. If you don't read John Maxwell, it, it's, he's brilliant. He is known in, in business and church and pastoral circles as the guru of, in, of, of leadership. And he says this, leadership is influence. You know, some people think leadership is a title. And, and I'm going to tell you that if you've got nine dollars and a computer, you can go Vistaprint and make whatever business card you want with whatever title you want. And your title has nothing to do with your influence. John Maxwell says, if you think yourself to be a person of influence, look behind you. If no one is following you, you're just taking a walk. And I believe that what Jesus was saying when he said, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, you're to be people of influence. So that's what we're going to talk about. He said, you're the salt of the earth. Salt does at least three things that I, I was able to tell. Salt um, gives flavor, right? Right? Like I, I told you guys a little bit about my dad's struggles. Well, the doctor said, told my sister who helped prepare his meals, take the salt shaker off the table. That's no more. And my dad, we were having dinner the other day or supper or lunch, a meal, I don't know. And he's looking at it and he's holding his Mrs. Dash. And he's, he looks so depressed. You know why? Because you eat, you eat salt for 88 years and somebody takes it away. It's lost its flavor. You don't have that. And it's, so salt brings flavor, right? You know what, something else salt does. Salt preserves. Salt, you know, back in the day, there, you know, we didn't have refrigeration, right? And so we had to cure our meats, and it preserved it. And, and here's something else that I learned. Is how many know that without salt in your body, without the right amount of salt in your body, the, the fluids that are in your body would be completely unregulated. And what salt does is it brings balance to the fluids in your body. So when Jesus is saying, you're the salt of the earth, he's saying, I want you to bring some flavor into this flavorless world. I want you to preserve the truth of God, the Word of God, the church of God. I want you to preserve it. And I want you to bring some balance in this crazy, mixed up, broken, busted, disgusted world we live in. How many know it's not Donald Trump's job to, make, to bring balance? It's yours and mine. It's the body of Christ. It's the church that's supposed to bring balance to this world. And, and when it goes crazy and, and, and off the rails, the church is supposed to bring the message that, of what, what right looks like. That's the church. That's us. That's me and you. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. Here's what I know to be true. That a, a city on a hill will never be a city on a hill that everyone can see unless it's full of well-lit citizens. 
Now, I know lit means something different in this culture, and that's not exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some bright, full of the light of Christ people. A city will never shine unless it's full of those kinds of people. So he said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're city on a hill. You're people of influence. And what I want to do is take just a few minutes and, and unpack what that might look like to just me and you. What it looks like for people who are following Christ or are trying to follow Christ or just trying to do this thing, what, what it looks like. Let's talk about, first of all, the power of influence. How many of you, when, when a pastor or teacher starts talking about this, you get nervous because you're a naturally introverted person? Enjoy if you raise your hand. I'm coming down there. <laughs> that you're naturally introverted. Anybody? Because I am naturally introverted. I know you won't believe that. But I, I really am. In fact, until I found Jesus, I, I was quiet and shy. True story. They tell us even introverted people, people who don't have a naturally outgoing personality, will influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. 10,000 people. So here's what I need you to understand. There, this, this gift that God has given us to be an influencer, and you all have it. You are an influencer. There is tremendous power in the idea that you and I can have, have the capacity to affect change. Not just in your life, not just in your home, not just in your church, not just in your community, but you have the power to affect change on this planet. I believe that with everything in me. One person can't make a difference, you might say. Really? Really? I, I think they can. I, I'm pretty sure they can. Uh, I am an apple snob. And I, don't, I, I just quit apologizing for it. I, I like my Mac computer. I like my iPhone. I got, a, I got a new Apple Watch that I just think is the coolest thing ever. Makes me feel like Captain Kirk beam me up. I love it. <laughs> but, but guess what? All of that stuff... And, and Apple person or not Apple person, you can't argue with the fact that this brand has changed the way the world operates. Even if you don't like it, doesn't mean you can deny the, the, the impact and influence that the Apple brand has had on this. And it started in two guys' basement. So don't tell me that one person, two people, a small church can't affect change in our community, in our county, and on our planet. Because there's, look, if just, what if we add your 10,000 people to Amber's 10,000 people, to Joy's 10,000 people, to Marcy? Really? Can it be that simple that collectively we can influence a vast number of people? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to tell you to stop listening to the lie of the enemy that says you're not a person of influence. That your story's too ugly. That your, your past is too broken. Uh, that, that you're not far enough down the spiritual journey. That you're too old. That you're too young. 
I'm going to tell you that you are a person of influence and there's power in your influence. Somebody say something. Okay. So let, we, we talked about the power of influence. Let's talk about the purpose of influence. I, I stumbled across this uh, YouTube video. I think it was a YouTube video. And it fascinated me. And it was about cult leaders. And, and I watched as these exposés of different cult leaders came across the screen. And they talked about, some of you might be old enough to remember Jim Jones, who somehow convinced hundreds of people to drink poison because they were going to a better place. And it talked about this cult that was in uh, Arizona, I think, just a few years ago, this, another mass suicide. Everybody just laid down in cots in this mansion and, and, and drank poison thinking that they were going to wind up on a ship that was going to take them to see Jesus. And here's what I'm thinking. How did one man convince all these people to do that? Can I tell you that not only is there power in influence, if, if the purpose isn't right, it can go down a bad path. See, people are hungry to hear some hope and something that'll change their life, something that'll alter their season. And I'm just going to tell you, you I, I continued to watch and it talked about how parents would offer their 12, 13, 14-year-old daughters to this man. And I'm like, where, do, where does your mind have to be? So yes, Influence is powerful, but let's make sure we're going down the right road. We've got to be intentional about how we influence people. Have you ever, you ever been around somebody that's just a negative Nancy? How many know that sometimes you can be, you can be in a room and some people will walk into a room and just bring life? And, and the and the atmosphere of the room raises because this one person walked in the door because they just bring life. You know what I'm talking about? And how many know that at the same time, somebody else can walk in the room and just suck the life right out of it? And then you start going, honey, I think it's time for us to go. We, we got to be heading on places to go. So where do you want to be? See, I, I believe as followers of Christ, that we have a purpose for our influence. And, and I know where your mind is going. You're, you're going, well, yeah, you were supposed to you know, win the world for Jesus. And I, and I, I believe that. But I, I want to I break it down a little more simply, simpler, more simple. So we, we were talking in our men's group Wednesday night about the importance of evangelism and the importance of sharing our faith and the importance of being a witness for Christ and Somebody spoke up and said, you know, that, that's, that doesn't come easy for me. So what I try to do is be a witness with my life. I think that's awesome, right? And so here's what I believe the purpose of our influence should be as followers of Christ. It should be to help move people a step closer to Jesus. Now listen, we've, we've made it sound like that the goal of and listen, if you've ever had the opportunity 
to hold somebody's hand and lead them across the line of faith, there is nothing more powerful than that. But anytime that's ever happened for me, somebody else has planted a seed. And so what I'm telling you that you and I should be about the business of doing is helping move people one step toward Christ. One step closer to Christ with our lives, with our influence, with our words, with our actions, with our deeds, with how we treat each other. See, the purpose of influence is, listen, I'm, Donna, and I'm going to, before the service is over, I'm going to fuss a little about you guys inviting people on October 7th. But listen, the goal of influence is not just inviting people to church. That's a big deal. The goal of our influence is to help people move a little bit closer to Christ. I, I was on a mission trip one time, and, and we, were, we were having our little debriefing as we were getting ready to come home. And this big guy that was on our trip was just in tears. And, and he, he said, I, I don't really have a testimony about leading somebody to Jesus this weekend or this week. And I said, man, don't, don't listen to that lie because I watched you. I watched you take your big old self and play with those little kids. And I watched you during devotion sing and play and have fun with those kids. And I watched you during our worship service worship God with those kids around you. I saw you. And can I tell you that there's all kinds of children, there's all kinds of adults, all kinds of parents who are closer to Christ today because you came here. So listen, what's, what's your goal? Is it just to get through the day? Just to pay your bills? Just to keep peace in the house? Those are all great goals. But as a follower of Christ, let's commit our lives to something that lasts forever. Something that will go beyond your mortgage and go beyond all the, the, the hassles of the day. Let's invest our lives into people finding Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to last forever of any good. And that's the purpose. You and I. So we talked about the power of influence. We talked about the purpose of influence. Let's talk about the people of influence. So how are you going to do that? That's a pretty tall order, actually, is helping move people toward Christ. There, there's a... You don't have room for this in your bulletin, but I'm going to give you four C's. First of all, people of influence. People who... Help other people take a step toward Christ are people who care. There's an old phrase that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. <laughs> You're never going to impress somebody with your great knowledge. You can memorize that Bible front to cover to, you know, from Genesis to the maps. And here's, here's the deal. You're... That's probably not going to impress anybody. It'll, it'll impress other Christians. Go, wow, you obviously have a better brain than me. Hey, you remember that teacher in high school? That teacher in high school that you had that didn't care about you, didn't care about you learning, just showed up to get a check? You remember her? Of course you don't. Because she had no influence in your life. You forgot her the moment the semester was over with, or him. And I'm going to tell you that if we're going to be people of influence and move people toward Christ, we've got to be people who care. And it can't be fake. It must be genuine. 
We must genuinely care about those that we go to church with, uh, those who might be far from God. We have to genuinely care. So the first C is C. First C is care. People of influence show concern. When's the last time you picked up a phone, called somebody that you, you, you thought in passing, and I wonder how they're doing, and, the, and then it just went away in the cloud. We, we're the most connected generation this world has ever seen. There is no reason we can't show concern. Period. I, I, don't, I was looking for other words to follow that, and there are none. There's no reason we can't send a text message, hey, I had you on my mind. There's no reason we can't send something on social media and say, man, I was thinking about you today and praying for you. Hope everything's okay. There's no reason you can't pick up a... Th- Here's a novel idea. That, that phone you have, it'll do more than send text and surf Facebook. You can actually put 10 numbers in there, and somebody might just... Pick it up on the other end. And you can say, hey, man, I was thinking about you. I just want you to know I was praying for you. Can I tell you? I, 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 have, a, I have a friend that's in my covenant group. And uh, this dude is struggling. And I've told you about him. I'm praying for him. But in the midst of his struggle, two Sunday mornings ago, he said, hey, I got a text right before I came out here. Dwayne, I'm thinking about you today. I know what you got to do is heavy. So I'm just, I want you to know I was praying for you. Can I just tell you? Man, I, I, I walked out here like a, like, like a racehorse. It matters. So we care, we show concern, and we have compassion. Right? And you, you, may, not, you may not be able to... Uh, Always step inside of someone's situation. You know, empathy is not always easy because I, you, you may not have lived what somebody else is living. You may not have gone through the trial that they're going through. But it, it, it costs nothing to be compassionate, like Jesus was, by the way. Don't, I, I love the story, and, and it's John, like, 9-ish. Uh, and forgive me, one of you Bible scholars will correct me. Um, it, it's... Jesus' friend Lazarus was dead. And all of his, all of his uh, family was around. And, and Jesus knew that he was shortly going to speak life back into this dead body. But the Bible says that in that moment, Jesus wept. And I've always been fascinated. Why would Jesus cry? He knows he was getting ready to raise him from the dead. I'd be going, oh, I know something you don't know. That's what I would be doing. But that's not what Jesus did. You know what Jesus did? In the midst of their sorrow, he wept with them. He had compassion. So we're going to show care. We're going to show concern. We're going to show compassion. And listen, you're not going to like this one. You like those three, you're not going to like this one. We're building our character. Here's here's what I, I believe. For us to be people of influence... We, we don't preach like this a lot anymore, but I'm, I want you to hear me. If we're really going to be people of influence, we've got to believe what we believe and walk and live what we say we believe. 
If I'm going to tell you that Jesus can change your life, I best well have let him change mine. Oh, and by the way, I, I said that wrong. Is Jesus done with anybody in this room? No, he's not. If I'm going to talk to you about Jesus changing your life, I better be led. I feel like a country hick right now. I should be letting Jesus change mine as we speak. Right? If, if I can tell you that Jesus can, can take care of your junk, I need to be letting him take care of my junk on a perpetual basis. See, here's what we do. We get in the church. We think we got, a, you know, you know, got our, our robes all clean now. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start pointing our fingers at all the sinner people in the world. And I'm going to tell you, let's let God take care of our character. And, and, and by character, I mean you and I becoming more like the image of Christ. What part, oh God, what part of me doesn't look like you? Kill it. So now let's talk about the place of influence. And what I'm going to say may sound like just something I should say because I pastor a church. I believe the most dynamic place of influence is the local church. And not just because it's a local church, but because it's connected to a global church. Billions of people strong. And if I'm genuinely going to be a person of influence, moving somebody toward Christ, and, and I know that, that in, in certain circles I get... I, People would push back against what I'm getting ready to say. I've said it before, but I just need you to hear me. If I'm going to be the kind of influence that God has called me to be in this world, I must be connected to his body. We all hang with me as I, as I throw some, some academic-sounding words at you, but then I, if, if I promise to make it make sense in just a minute. Um, three of you, thank you. That's awesome. See, I, some of you know I've, I've started to uh, reignited some educational efforts, and I've picked up some stuff from a long time ago, and I'm trying to, to, to finish some stuff that I started a long time ago. And, and, and it's, it's very interesting when you start taking these classes because they, they're all segmented, and they're all separate, and they're all, all right, you're going to do this this semester, and you're going to do this this semester. And when you start dealing with New Testament theology, we usually wind up with four different studies. Are you ready? I know this is going to get crazy, but I'll just stay with me, I promise. It's, we start with Christology. And what Christology teaches us is, who was Jesus? And what did he do? And was he God? Was he man? Was he a both? What is, he, what is his role today? Christology, you with me? No, I didn't think so. And then soteriology, in other words, how is man reconciled to God? How are we, to use a term that we used to use all the time, how are we saved? Soteriology. And then, that's a P. Anybody want to stand, guess what that stands for? 
Pneumatology. Pneumatology. Pneumatology is the study of who the Holy Spirit is, who he is, and what he does. And pneuma is really a word. What's a disease sounds like new pneumonia? And pneumonia is when you don't have any breath in your lungs, right? Pneuma is a, is a word that means breath, that the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. Pneumatology. You with me so far? You know you're not. You're just, I'm getting blank stares. And then, you remember what I said? Guess what the E stands for? No! Ecclesiology. It's the study of the church. Are you with me? And so, all right, you got this this semester, and this this semester, and this next year, and this right before you graduate. You get, you get the segment, and here's what you learn when you really study. Is that all these things aren't really separate. You can't talk about Jesus without talking about how he came to save us. And you can't talk about how he came to save us without understanding that the Holy Spirit's job is to draw men and women and to be connected to the body of Christ. There's this thread that runs through this whole deal. And here's what we've done. Well, I can be saved. All by myself. I don't have to be connected to the church. I don't have, have to uh, deal with the Holy Spirit. They won't say that, but I, I can live. It sounds like this. I don't have to go to church to live a Christian life. Anybody ever heard that? I want you to listen to me, and I don't care if I get emails. I disagree. Because here's the way it's supposed to work. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. He's my foundation. And, and listen, there are people who will say, I know Jesus, I know who he is, but they've never had an encounter with him. I got the wrong one. They, they've never had an encounter. I still got the wrong one. They've never had an encounter with him. They've never surrendered their life in a whole to the person of Christ. And they've never let the Holy Spirit take over and control them. And they've never been connected to the body. That's not the way it's supposed to work. On Christ, the solid rock, I find hope and salvation. And the beautiful power of the Holy Spirit fills my life and takes over. And I walk and surrender to him. And I'm connected to his body. It all connects. I, I say that because we're entering a very dangerous season in the local church. And it's not just LifePoint. It's all across, especially Western culture. I can know him without all this. If you're going to do what I believe God's called you to do, be a worshiper. Be an influencer. So we've talked about the power of influence, the purpose of influence, the people of influence, the place of influence. Now I want to talk to you for just a moment about the prayer of influence. Man, I, I heard somebody, and I wish I could tell you who it was, that told me... Uh, shared with me a very 
convicting statement. And they said, if everyone you prayed for last week found Christ, how many people would have crossed the line of faith? Can I just let that settle for a minute? Are you praying that God, listen, I, I want you to pray that God causes the, the life point to be a city on a hill. I, pray, I want you to pray that. But listen, more importantly, our city has got to be filled with well-lit citizens. I'm going to tell you a very simple prayer I pray. You, you don't have to pray this way. But it's a one-sentence prayer that somewhere in my morning prayer, I'll, I'll throw in. God, help me be salt and light today. Help me be salt and light today. And by that, I mean, God, help me be a person of influence. Help me share in some way with an action, a word. Help me be salt and light today. Something happened this past week that I thought illustrated this very beautifully. And so what I would love is for Bonnie, I was going to tell her story for her, but I thought how much better would it be for her to share it on your own. So I should have helped you up those stairs. Okay, guys. As all of you probably know, Larry and I just lost Ricky, who was the husband of Beth, who passed away three years ago. He just passed away night before last. On September the 10th or the 11th, in the waiting room at Emory of the ICU unit, I met a man and a, I met a, a man who was a father of a young lady. I met the grandfather also. She's 19 years old. Right now she lays in ICU. She had a heat stroke while playing softball, something that she'd done since she's three years old. They did not think she was gonna make it. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, through Christ's love for me, I walked over to those two precious people and I said to them, I wanted to know what was going on. And I said to them, we got to pray. The daddy says to me, we're not spiritual. I said, oh, no, I ain't spiritual either. But I'm a born-again child of God, and he loves me just like he loves you. He loves that precious child laying in that bed just like he loves me. And I'm going to tell you, I want to pray with y'all. They laid their ball caps on the table, and we took hands, and I prayed with them, and I prayed for them, and I prayed for that precious child. And I said in my prayer, never forget, I said, when she was in her mother's womb, she knew what was going to come to that child. I also told him, no, God's no respecter of persons. On Thursday, we were told that Ricky was not going to make, was not going to make it. He couldn't have a transplant. He wasn't going to make it. On Thursday afternoon, here comes that daddy 
around the corner in the hall. And he says, well, how are you doing? And I had to tell him the sad news. But wait a minute, y'all. This man who is taller than Dwayne Light, who just looks so young to have a 19-year-old daughter, he says to me, I am so sorry. I said, it's okay. He's going to be with the Lord. He's going to be with his wife. And I said, how's your daughter? He said, she's wiggling her toes. She's wiggling her hands. She's nodding her head. She's responding to the doctors. She's responding to me. And I said, that is God. Praise the Lord. And he said to me, we have learned we have learned this week that God is awesome. We have learned this week that there's more to this child. And these doctors, the doctors came, they don't know what to do. And God is reaching his hand. Ricky passed away. Praise God, that man's in heaven. I ain't worried about Ricky. The thing that tickles me as I'm fixing to turn 65 is that God looks down on this little old woman and says, I need you to carry me. I need you to carry me to these people. He uses just plain old human beings. He don't need, and I'm not using this he don't need a Donald Trump. He don't need a Hillary Clinton. He needs you and you and you. And he needs me to be willing to carry his love. And I'm telling you, what just that family, I met another family. There was two or three families in that ICU. Y'all know how shy I am. And I just walk up to them and say, what's going on in your life? And let us pray. I'm telling you, I want God. I believe that God is a healer. And I told that daddy, I said, I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to seeing that young lady playing softball somewhere else again. So... I'm just going to, we're just going to take a little poll. Bonnie, pray for this daddy. Now, I, I, I think she's told me the whole story, but I don't, I didn't hear about them making an altar around that, that uh, table and him crossing the line of faith. But how many of you would say that that man's a step closer to Jesus than he was? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And, and I'm going to assume, Bonnie, you, that, that, did you have anything else on your mind that day? <laughs> well, I did until I met them. <laughs> I, I tell you what was cool, and, and I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I wish I'd brought my phone so I could read your text verbatim. But she said, wouldn't it be cool if God used 
this Ricky's death to drop a little God into this family's life. Isn't he that big? And that son said, that daddy said that. I said, I'm going to tell y'all. I, I told him, I said, you do know that it's very possible that God used Ricky's death to let you see the love of God. He said, and I said, and you know what? God can do anything he wants to. He said, I've learned that this week. I've learned that God's an awesome God and he can do wow. whatever he chooses. Man, alive. Isn't that good? My heart, my heart just, well, I called Brother Dwayne because I, can't, I told you women on that Wednesday night, I said, I ain't bragging. I'm so in shock and awe that this God who is so big and powerful and miraculous and glorious would use me that he don't care. You know, maybe earlier in the day, I, maybe I did or said something I shouldn't have done or said. And you know what? He didn't, he's like, oh, that's nothing. It's like I, I told Brother Dwayne something else. I said, y'all, I told him earlier during the week, this person said to me, yeah, Granddaddy, when they said that he was, she was moving her hands and all, Granddaddy said a terrible, holy, a terrible word. I ain't using it. I ain't telling you what it was. But it was, and this person says to me, I just can't stand that. I said, man, I ain't a Christian. God's a big God. You know what? <laughs> How? How could I say anything when there's days that go by that maybe I don't do what I'm supposed to do? This man ain't a Christian. Why would I expect him to be any different? He was expressing his joy over his granddaughter getting better. And that's all he knew to say. Me, you, we'd holler, praise the Lord. Well, that ain't what he said. But in his... <laughs> but that's exactly... He was so joyful. I just, so I'm just telling you, you don't know when you're influencing. And I'm telling you that ICU waiting room was so full of people. And we, I, and the God that I serve was right smack dab in the middle of it. Awesome. Thank you, Bonnie. When she told me that story, I, I had literally just sent this outline to Tracy. And I thought, there is no better way to finish this message. So I want to pray for you. Don's going to come. Wow. I, I want to pray for you. Thank you, darling. Sorry. So I want you to bow your head. Maybe you're here and you say, Dwayne, I'm really not a Christ follower. I get it. Man, I, I, I push back. And honestly, every, every genuine Christ follower that I know resisted at first. I'm just going to tell you, uh, if that's you and you're here today, a choice to surrender your life to Christ this morning during this prayer. 
would, would be a choice that you would never, ever, ever, uh, ever regret. Christ came to save. Christ came to heal and deliver you. Or maybe you're here and you say, Dwayne, I'm challenged this morning to be a person of influence. I'm challenged this morning to move beyond my own pain and my own sorrow and my own stuff and my own busy schedule and my own stuff that I've got to do day after day. I want to move beyond that and become who God wants me to be a person that influences other people with a step toward Christ. And if that's you, I want, I want to pray for you. And I, honestly, I, I hope that's you. And, and you guys know me, I don't, I don't beat people up. But if you can sit here this morning and honestly say that that you don't really care about influencing people for Jesus, there's a problem. That's, that's a big problem. So I hope you do. And, and what I want to do is pray to that end today. Is that we would indeed be salt and light into this world that desperately needs flavor and illumination. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I just want us to pray together. In fact, I'd like to do it like this. Would you stand? And maybe during this time of prayer, when I'm praying for you, to be a person of influence. I'm going to ask you to pray a dangerous prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray, God, who is it in my life, in my family, in my job? Who is it in my world that I'm called to influence? Who is it in my world, in my circle of friends and family and, and acquaintances, who is it I'm supposed to be a person of influence? Whose life am I supposed to have the capacity to cause an effect? Ask God to give you a name. And when He does, this week, pick up a phone, shoot a text, go to coffee, buy a meal. Be salt and light. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you for this amazing testimony of an opportunity to be an influence and in not just a person, but an entire family. An entire family who, from their own mouth, went from we're not spiritual to God sure is awesome. God, just like I know that family's there, I know that there are countless families and individuals just right around this building 
right around our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our places of business, in our schools. God, you've set us forth as people of influence in our world. So God, I pray that you burden our hearts to be people of influence. Because you're worthy. And you've changed our lives. You've washed us clean. You've delivered us. And that is good news. And there are others that need to know that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Will you sing that chorus? Light myself in you In the glory of your presence I'm overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed by you God, I run into Unashamed because of mercy, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed by you. God, we are indeed overwhelmed by your beauty and your presence. Thank you for meeting with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated.